What up, fam? We are so stoked to be back. Episode number five of the bomb hole. I honestly didn't think we were going to get past number three. This is crazy. Number five? Number five. Wow. We're, we're climbing, dude. I, I'm loving this. Today, we have a special episode. Timmy Osler is in the booth with the boys. What's the deal with Timmy Osler? Dude, it is an insane story. Timmy, uh, he was on track to be one of the greatest snowboarders to ever do it. Jeremy Jones said he was one of the best to ever live, to ever strap in on a snowboard. And this dude took a horrific bail up in Park City, and it resulted in him becoming paralyzed. And he had to spend the rest of his life in a wheelchair. It's pretty incredible, his perspective on, and how he dealt with that. What do you think about that? Dude, it's it's so inspiring because I had listened to Tim tell this story and how he handled it. And yeah. this, this is an incredible human right here, an amazing person. Yeah, I don't think very many people could have persevered the way he did in this journey. And Before and- we get into this, I would like to say thank you for the love. We are so stoked on all the people giving us the views, the listens with the podcast. If you want to visualize it, watch it on YouTube. We love the comments. We love the feedback. Keep it coming. Yeah, it really feels like a community with this podcast, man. Everybody's been reaching out, and uh, we fucking love it, man. We appreciate you guys a lot. You know, we're going to stop introing, and we're going to get into episode five. Timmy Osler, let's go. You are listening to The Bomb Podcast. It's going to be very hot. It's going to be very uncomfortable for everybody. (laughs) The Bomb Okay, okay, here we are again at the bomb hole. It's me, Chris Grenier. We got my co-host, Stony Buds. E-Stone, how we doing? I'm doing great, man. This is probably my favorite part of the week, getting, mm-hmm. getting in here with the boys. Chop it up. Well, Chop it up. It's a real honor, the guest we got today. Big honor. We got Tim Osler in the booth. How we doing, Tim? Tim's doing good. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to be here. Uh, it's, it's really is an honor to be considered and, and kind of remembered, so... Um, Let's jump into it. Appreciate that. That's yes. that's all. It's all our honor. But uh, you grew up. You grew up here in Utah, right? I did. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I was born in Cottonwood Heights. Um, there's that Smiths right there on Bengal. I kind of grew up just just west of there. Um, born and raised. Born in the house that I grew up in. My parents still own the house, and um, yeah, real close to Brighton and all the canyons. So pretty big family, from what I heard, right? Pretty big. Yeah, yeah. I got six siblings. Um, I got four older brothers, an older sister, and a younger sister. And um, my parents were a bit older. I never really had grandparents. They had passed on prior to me kind of being born. There was a couple that were still alive, um, but they were located in places where I never really saw them. Um, so I have these older brothers that are like, they're in their 60s. Oh, damn. And, um, and then I've got a little sister that's like uh, 39 at this point. So, yeah, my parents had four kids, waited 12 years, had three more. I had fallen that three more bunch and... Um, the rules were just a little different for <laughs> me and the young. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit looser. My parents were the- burned out, man. And <laughs> yeah. I was just like, <laughs> yeah, just hit the ground running. Uh, as long, give him some food, he'll be all right. That was yeah, it. Survive. Like, feed him, he'll be able to make his way. And yeah, you grew but, up Mormon too, right? I did for like the first, yeah. When you're born into it, you kind of just, that's part of it. You don't um, have a choice. Yeah, I didn't really have a choice. I didn't know what a choice was for the most part. Um, about age 13, I started kind of thinking for myself and I was like, I'm not into this. It's just, I, I was, I've been smoking for a year at that point. Um, I'd, I'd car hop at church and steal coins out of the um, ashtrays. Oh, really? And then, I'd, and then I'd cruise down the Sev and play Street Fighter. 
eat nachos. This was like during church hours, you know, and I'd come back and like show up to the car to go home. And they thought I was at church. Oh, no. Like, ah, you're pro tip. Yeah, yes. a pro so, tip. Good pro tip. Hit a street right fighter instead. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I cut out early. Um, age 15, I really started thinking for myself. Dropping acid, smoking weed. Damn. And I was officially out. Yeah, when you're on that I'm level. Like, I'm out of here. This you're not, is not on par with the me. church. Yeah. No, and, no, it just wasn't aligning with, with my life anyway. But just I just wasn't into it, man. It was just boring as shit. Yeah. So. Yeah, understandably. Well, yeah. speaking with uh, your good friend Tanino Copine, he was yeah. kind of who shouts to Tanino. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah much respect. Straight up, but um, yeah, he was saying that you guys kind of you were just left to your own devices as far as like a lot of freedom as a kid to do whatever the hell you wanted to, and during that time, definitely being the youngest, definitely. And um, and Cottonwood Heights at that time was a lot different than it is now. They didn't have police force. There was open fields everywhere. Um, a lot of the homes now. They, you just could ride your BMX bike over, hang out, do whatever. My older brothers used to ride dirt bikes right out of the backyard. Damn. They could ride all the way out to Draper, bounce back on trails that were just, they were the killer. I mean, big hills over through Willow Creek area. Now it's all uh, houses. And now it's just, it's filled. It's stacked. Yeah. yeah. So it was cool, though. We got away with a lot of shit. And what got you into snowboarding? <clears throat> skateboarding. So I rode a skateboard. I wasn't very good. And eighth grade, so 1989, um, I came into my morning class. It was an English class, and this kid, Bob Edwards, who had an eight-foot ramp in his backyard, he was a great skater. He showed up, and he had a, a cast on his arm, and he told me he broke his arm snowboarding, nightboarding at Brighton. And I was like, what? Snow, what? What's this? And he told me about it, and he was super hyped on it. So um, I, I thought I had to try this, and I went up to the, uh, what's the place at the mouth of the canyon? It used to be underneath the Porcupine. Lift House. Lift, Lift House. And yeah. they had rentals, and I rented this, this Burton Cruise 163 with a, Hard plastic bindings that were one piece, like backpack yeah, straps or whatever. Part. Yeah, and um, my mom helped me get the ticket. I think the ticket was like $19 at the time. We went up. She dropped me off. I was just wearing like denim with some basic thermals underneath it and like <laughs> some shitty jacket. I don't even know what it was. I was alone. Didn't know what I was doing, but figured it out and enjoyed it, even though I was in pain the whole time. I was like, I love this shit. <laughs> and man, it was so much easier than a skateboard. True, and, uh, huh? and I was just, but I was, I was into it for oh, sure. Way true. Yeah. 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 Sure. Speaking Everybody of, knows that. <laughs> of course. Yeah. And then, and speaking of Tino, he was kind of saying that you came from pretty humble beginnings. Like a lot of your gear was hand me down and like kind of ghetto in the early days. Right. Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, as far as I knew, that's all anybody had, right. There was yeah. a couple kids I knew that had some new stuff. Their parents would get them stuff for, for Christmas. Um, but for the most part, it was just like, you got what you could get your hands on and that, and it was gold. He was just yeah. like, fuck, I got a new pair of bindings and they might've been garbage, but they were new. To you, you know, they were like a new new product, you know, so. Yeah, those early days of Brighton talking mm-hmm. to, uh, when I was talking to Tony, he was saying uh, there was like 15 cars in the parking lot on a weekday, and there's, <laughs> it was just like sounded incredible back then, huh? Yeah, it was a different time for sure. Um, I was actually mm-hmm. texting with him this morning about that, and um, man, it was different. You could, you could go out to the Mary Shoots three, four days after a storm, and there'd be like four lines cut by a skier. Most of the time it was that Craig guy that does like backcountry, Craig Gordon. Yeah. It would, it would be his line, you know? And I remember all those guys, they'd, they'd see us and they'd be bitching at us for traversing across the fall line to get to a jump or to a cliff or whatever. But it was what he described is pretty accurate. You could, you could be riding the lift up, look back at the parking lot and it would be two, three rows of cars, you know, and, Crazy and no one around. Business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> now yeah. it's filled up. If you don't go up by 10 o'clock, you're not getting a parking spot. 
It's wild. Yeah. yeah. And that shit's st- tracked out in Mary's by 10, 11 yeah. o'clock. Yeah. Yeah, it caught up with everywhere else. Yeah. So is you, who was your crew back in the day when you were shredding, early shred days? So when I first started riding, um, I had hooked up with a couple of local, by local I mean my neighborhood and my school, uh, a guy named Mike Clunker, a guy named Ryan Donaldson, who we called Chet, and a kid named Jeff Jarrett. And they skated. And so we kind of became a little crew. And then we, we added a couple along the way, a kid named Trent, uh, Trent Wade and Richard Cadillac. And then from there, we started meeting more guys. And we started looking around at the hill, and you'd see Tonino, and he'd be riding with this guy, J.J. England, Casey Buxton, Brandon Ruff. And they were kind of like a year or two older than us, and they were a little bit better. And so we were always we always had great people to look up to. Yeah. Um, you know, and those guys were, I mean, just another level in my eyes. And so, yeah, we'd cruise around with our little crew. We'd snap photos of, with our 35 mil photo shits that our parents would let us use. And <laughs> VCR, uh, like the, the two-piece with the backpack, and or like the bag, like, guy his dad would let us take that and we'd get all this this footage and it was just ridiculous but we made these little videos and um yeah we had a good time so it was just a couple local dudes to kick it off and then and then it grew into those other those other crews what made you decide you wanted to become a sponsored rider and and do something with it as soon as i saw critical condition nice i remember (laughs) that one dude uh as soon as i saw that and realized like these guys were like rock stars in my eyes and and people were getting paid to snowboard and obviously in the magazines you were seeing, you know, competition stuff when it's like, obviously these guys have sponsors and stuff. I started thinking, that's what I want to do. I didn't yeah. know what it entailed. I had no clue, but I was dead set that that's what I wanted to do. And as much as I love to ride, that's all I did anyway. So it just kind of like took a natural cycle to that point. And all of a sudden I was riding for gear and money. So That movie kind of glamorized <laughs> it too. They, oh, they did man. a good job making it seem yeah. like, well, this is the shit. They killed it for yeah, sure. That was yeah. insane. Yeah, I, I dug that movie a lot. It was really cool. <laughs> uh, got a chance to speak with Jeremy Jones earlier this morning. And uh, yeah, shouts shouts to Jones, obviously. Um, but it was it was awesome listening to him. He was like almost like choking up talking about your riding dude it was special he was like he i I have written down quote for quote he said i consider him to be one of the best riders to ever live and then went on to talk about like you basically being a powerhouse like sending all the cliffs at brighton and like just and just like basically (laughs) just known for your style and and uh going bigger than everybody else it was was really cool to listen (laughs) is that kind of what you were into just sending sending cliffs and back in the day yeah for sure um I mean, we always tried to, to emulate what we saw in the videos and the magazines, you know, Hard the Hungry and the Homeless. We, all of a sudden, we were jibbing. No clue what we were doing, you know. Um, but there was one year, like, Blue Montgomery and a couple guys, um, Joe Stalzer and this guy, Troy Baskerville, they all came out from Iowa, I think. And all of a sudden, we spotted these dudes in the middle of the bowl jumping off everything. And they had never been to Brighton. And we'd been looking at that stuff every day for, like, the last two years and never jumped off it. And... All of a sudden, my mindset changed, and I just started. Me and Mike Clunker would just, we'd find a cliff, we'd set up 50 feet back from it, and we would just <laughs> point it. And it didn't matter, like, if it was big or small or what the landing was. The, the snow was this deep, and it didn't matter how you landed, man. Like, I'm telling just you. Just launch it, was, it. Yeah, like, 92, 93, <laughs> so 94 had so much snow, you just, you could send it off anything. So we just, we got our balls out, and we started jumping off everything. And then as I got better at, like, edge control and carving, um, Bindings got better. Everything, you know, came up to snuff. It was just, I just liked riding as fast as I possibly could at Brighton and, and looking at different jumps and trying to just hit them as fast as I could. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Yeah. That era seemed incredible as far as like, not as calculated Mm -hmm. as now. It's just kind of like 
go fast and send and all those iconic photos of all like the fisheye underneath cliff yeah. shots are so sick so i love sick. that yeah. era of riding and stuff yeah yeah it's cool to see uh, photos from them because there's always like a, a trail of of powder just following someone like 60 feet out off of whatever yeah. i mean it was just ridiculous some of the stuff that was going down mm-hmm. but it is now too so yeah you totally. were shooting with Whitey back in the day, too, huh? That must have been pretty sick. Yeah, that was cool. I didn't know how sick it was until I look back at it now, and yeah. I'm just like, damn, dude, that was really, like, a cool time in, in my life and, and everybody's that was doing it then. Um, but, yeah, we had a lot of fun, man. A little when bit that of... Rev commercial dropped, man, that was <laughs> next level. That was the Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, yeah, that, that thing was, was awesome. fun. Um, we had a lot of fun with that. I got a call one day. They had said they'd purchased the cars. They'd already painted them up. They're like, we need you in this. And I was like, all right. Showed up, and I was like, holy shit, you guys have a dial bike. <laughs> that and car just, was so sick. It was so fun. Yeah, and why he didn't mess around, huh? No, no. He had a vision, man, and, and he knew how to execute it. And so, yeah, we went out. We, we poached these fields in these neighborhoods. They're all homes now. You know, they're like one's over in Sandy, and, and the other one's just um, – also in Sandy. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we just, we just ripped it, and we, we jumped the car. We peeled out. We had a blast. No cops messed with us. And when it was over, both <laughs> both those cars were leaking oil and in this field out in Sandy. And these two, uh, I don't know, they were probably like 17-year-olds, came approaching us. and like, you guys doing anything with these cars? We're like, nah, you want them? And they were like, yeah. <laughs> Here you go, man. Figure no it out. And, and we just bounced. And we didn't have to deal with any of it. Yeah, like, like they just the dealing cars. with it would have sucked. Huh? Yeah, it would have sucked. <laughs> And, uh, and that's my memory of it. It could be a little off, but uh, essentially, like, we just bounced. Yeah. They came up Here's on the keys, some whips, huh? Yeah, well, they, they saw us jumping, and so they wanted to know what was going on, yeah. right? And then they asked us what we were doing with them. We were like, yeah, nothing. Yeah. You want them? Yeah. Take them. So, yeah, just, it was cool. Out of curiosity, how did you get on Rev at that time? Jeremy Jones. Yeah. Okay, sick. Yeah. That was like the hot boys back in the day yeah, for that people the, that don't know. The cool cool yeah, kids right. were riding for Rev when that launched. It was, yeah, it was a cool time, and the product was insane. Um. Yeah, I'd, I'd been on a local company, Winter Stick. A guy that owned Milo Sport named Dwayne Bush had had restarted the Winter Stick brand, um, purchased rights from Dimitri, I guess. And for about a year, I shot with them, had a couple of boards, got a couple ads shot for them and some some catalog stuff. And then one day we were, we were hiking a jump. Um, Jeremy was with some of the, I think, Canadian guys, or I don't even remember, but it was that, that uh, kind of quarter pipe back uh, off Pioneer. Don't know the name of it. Forget yeah, it at this point. But anyway, um, he's like, dude, come ride for Rev. Come ride for Rev. And I was looking at the sliders, and I was just kind of like weirded out by it. I didn't trust it at first. And uh, after a few days, I kind of thought about it. And I was like, yeah, I'll do this. So um, I said yes. That quick, you know, I had boards, and, and it, was a, it was a different program. And it was, it was like the best move I made in my career by far. Like, Yeah, just the hype around the team was pretty sick. Uh. Yeah, and to actually have a team. Because at the time, I was kind of the only rider. There was a couple other guys getting some flow, but there wasn't that team component and the travel wasn't there. And this was like, things were put together. They had plans for ads. Um, and so, yeah, we just, yeah, you we were just part of a real it. program. Yep. That's yep. Cool. Totally. Totally. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy was describing it as like maybe the best time in his life. Like you guys hopping in a van, driving up to Canada, stashing some weed at the mile marker border, <laughs> going across the border, like just being kids and yeah. stuff like that. Right. And we made our own choices. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, there was a couple times I took some things across the border that was a little sketchy. Uh, <laughs> there were times that we, we plugged stuff into the ground and just left it. Uh, it was all safety stuff, you know, nothing nothing too gnarly. Nothing too gnarly. Um, but, yeah, we, we always kind of caught a little bit of flack at the border. Um, there was one time we were coming back from a trip we had done. We went to Revelstoke, shot with Mark Gallup, and got our whole catalog done uh, this powder Powder Cat's place. And on the way back in, just south of Calgary at that entrance – 
Jeremy had a bunch of herbs in this little like tray thingy that he was carrying. And we were at the, the customs and they were asking us about it. And I made a joke like, holy, holy marijuana, Batman. And in like three <laughs> minutes, they had everything off the top of the car. They were pulling everything out off a stupid joke. Mm-hmm. I was totally kidding, thinking I was being silly, but I just oh, didn't, no. you know, I didn't understand the, the situation. So, And anyway. did they, did you guys get through or what? Yeah, we didn't have anything yeah. on oh, us. Didn't. Like we were good to go. Yeah. But it was literally a joke. They don't I mean, like were, those jokes. No, they didn't like the jokes. Yeah. And I was like 19. I didn't give a shit. I was and they like, probably yeah. marked you for life. Oh after yeah. That Every too. single time that I've traveled to Canada minus like a year ago. Yeah. I've always been stopped. You're on the Every list. single time. This yeah. guy joked yeah. about weed one time. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And they definitely got done. a heavy list going. Heavy list sure. going through the they, snowboard they, That list does not like snowboarders. Yeah. They're like, oh, snowboarder, <laughs> let's rip the car apart. Dude, Mark yeah. Frank used to get taken in that room every time. Like <laughs> Cavity uh, search. He'd always just be like, it's because I'm Mexican. He'd like throw that at him, <laughs> and I'd just put him further on the list. Right, yeah. He would just show his passport and just be like, which way is the room I got to go to? <laughs> See you guys in an hour. Yep. Yep. <laughs> every well, time. And then, so from Rev, you eventually mm-hmm. got hooked up with uh, Lib and um, Quicksilver K two K two. Actually, yeah, uh, there was a one year stint with K two. So Rev went down in kind of ninety six, ninety seven time frame. They ran out of money, um, I think was the situation. And so we got a call that said we're done. We were all pretty bummed. So I did about a, a one full season and, and part of another season with zero sponsors. Um, and I was up at the Mount Baker Bank Slalom and Josh Rosen. If you guys know Josh Rosen or anybody does, he's he's a Northwest rider, and yep. I think he was on K two at the time. But he said, "Hey, you got to you got to meet the team manager, come meet this guy." And he made the connection for me. And within a couple of months, I was signed up and and on their team. And so I did like a year, year and a half with them. Well, it was about a year, yeah, about cool. a year. Yep. So after K two, then you were LibTech in Quicksilver. Yeah, correct. So yeah, I blew my knee out in February of ninety eight. Is that from launching those big dog cliffs? Or what? <laughs> oh, I, yeah. jumping over the highway. <laughs> Uh, oh, right by Donut Falls. So I was oh, jumping dude, the big I remember. Road. That was like a whitey shoot, right? Yeah. Legendary. Yeah, so I remember this. Yeah. The year prior when I was on Rev, um, Jeremy, JP, and a couple other people, we, we sent it, and it was perfect conditions, and we all got shots, like, on my mom's camera. And a year later, filming with Whitey, I was like, ah, we got to hit that shit. You know, it had been snowing. Yeah. So we show up, and <clears throat> in-run was different. There was some of that, that snow from, from the scraper trucks that had salt in it, and Scrub my speed on the way up. Came up, and I came short, up like right? half a foot short, man. Like I was there, short. dude. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I felt it pop and it hurt like a son of a bitch. And I drove home and then like a week later, two weeks later, <laughs> surgery. And that was a weird gap too because it was like a, it wasn't like you're going like a step down. It was like, it, yeah, it went up. It, it was a it, true table. Yeah, I mean, true like table. The landing was at the same height as a takeoff. And the year prior, it had just the right amount of woo. Yeah. Um, but. The second year, it was real sloped out and, and tangy. And, and you caught like a foot of the pavement, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, it just barely came up short. Yeah, and, um, yeah it's just coming back to me now. I totally yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, and so when my contract was up, I was <clears throat> laid up, and I had some shit all on my knee, and my team manager called. He's like, hey, we're, we're releasing you. And I was like, all right, whatever. You yeah, know, I was bombed happens. for sure. I was bombed, but I went up to Hood that summer, um, linked up with the, the LibTech guys, and – yeah, picked up that sponsorship. But, but back in the day, just so the like listeners know, like a knee injury isn't like it is now, right? It's more like back then you didn't really like it was it was bigger ordeal to bounce back from a knee injury, kind of. I guess it is. I don't yeah. have a point of reference. It seems yeah. like athletes now when they get a knee surgery, it's, it seems like almost like part of the deal. Yeah. It's like yeah, it's well, going to happen, and you get yeah. fixed, and you're out. And also, it also seems like your expiration date was younger at that age. Like, oh, you're like 21, you're old. Right? Yeah, like yeah. that was kind of because also just like kind of the way the picture was painted for me was kind of 
Like it was a looser time, almost like when eighties, like or when Vert switched the street, it was a weird transition. And I, like I saw you guys, like you're jumping cliffs. I saw awesome video of you racing border cross, like riding half pipe. You're doing it all, right? Just, like you just you talked to Tanino, man. I just sent him that shit. I was like, look what I found, like, that, dude. That was so sick. You mopped up Josh Dirksen in border cross race. Is that a true story? Respect. Yeah, I have the video on my phone. Oh shit, man. <laughs> Yeah. That's a big That's deal, funny. dude. Mopping up Dirksen. Yeah, Dirksen. I didn't fast. mop him up, man. But um, hey, but listen, definitely. you beat anybody, you mopped him up. All That's right. how I. All right, I'll take it. All right, take it. That's rad. Yeah, I mopped him up. Sorry, Josh, but I mopped you up. <laughs> He's probably hyped, dude. He'll be stoked to hear that. <laughs> it was his home mountain too. So, so what was that? What was that era like as a border? I thought it was awesome, man. It's, it was like a free for all. Um, the pressures weren't there. No one was cutting and making their own edits. Uh, it was just a, a simpler time for sure. Um, I felt like all I had to really focus on was writing. I never thought about the business side of it, which is probably why I never really made any money at it. But <laughs> I just loved to ride, and I was tripping that I was getting trips around the world and getting yeah, you were going to Japan free product and stuff. And stuff. Right? You were never made it to Japan, oh, but like New Zealand, I got New to go Zealand. to Europe twice, um, Canada a ton with Rev, and and the Northwest a ton. Just all my, all my sponsors seemed to come out of the Northwest. I was like. So I was always up in that zone. And in my opinion, when you're linked up with Whitey too, you pretty much have a good thing going. So that's yeah. what, that's all you got to do is it, it was be real in his good. movies, right? Yeah, it was real good, man. Yeah. All of a sudden, you know, he'd just say, "Hey, we're going to Jackson," and it was like, "Cool, just bring my gear and climb in the car." And he handled all the all the bullshit. Yeah, um, rooms were rented. He had ideas of where to go. We'd strap in, we'd jump, and and hopefully get the shots. Yeah, yeah, it was that's cool, dope. man. Yeah, he handled it. He was fun too. He's a wild man. Yeah, he was a pretty wild man. So much energy. I never met anybody with energy like that at that <laughs> yeah, point. Right? Like, Jesus, man, <laughs> what is going on with this guy? <laughs> he would yell sometimes when he oh, just... did, when his sugar levels were off. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? I didn't eat a bagel tonight. <laughs> he would like freak out. Like, he would do that. That's shit. how white he was. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, oh, is this kid like? Maybe not quite cool enough to shoot with him, but sometimes he'd shoot with me, and sometimes he'd pull that shit with his blood sugar off, and I'd just be like, "What the fuck, man? What is going on?" I, I didn't know how to react. I didn't know it was a blood sugar thing. I thought he was just a maniac. I, yeah, I thought he was a maniac. Yeah, he, like you didn't know where you stood, but he was the man. So it'd be like, "All right, uh, that's amazing. That's awesome." And then also while you're riding, you spend a lot of time at Hood as well, correct? Yeah, yeah. So when I um, I, I'd gotten sponsored in '94, and I was still in high school. So when I graduated at uh, summer 94, um, the sponsor, Dwayne Bush, who I had mentioned earlier, he sent me and another guy, this guy, Mike Forsgren, uh, to Mount Hood. He gave us his Chevron gas card, a couple of boards, and he said, go up and, you know, do what you guys do. So we took off. We went to Hood. We spent three weeks in Hood and then headed up to Canada from there. And that was it. We had a gas card. That's how we ate. Neither of us had money. Um, and so, like, we'd reach points in the trip where, like, we'd go in and make a purchase and they'd be like, it's not working. We'd have to call this dude and be like, hey, man, the card's not working. And he'd be like, ah, oh, I forgot to make the payment. And so he'd, like, make a quick payment. But there was a couple times where we went, like, a day and a half where we just no didn't food. have food. Crazy. But Hood at the time, everyone was, I mean, it always has been. Uh, they were, everybody was real accommodating. You know, we had places to stay and people fed us and we were good. But That's awesome. Yeah, what what was the, the on, what, yeah, insane. Yeah. What, what was the on-hill uh, scene like up at Hood at that time? Like hand-dug half pipes and yeah. stuff like that, right? Yeah, everything was hand-dug not nearly as crowded as it is now. So I had only seen it in videos and I thought we could just show up and be hitting all this, all these jumps and, and the pipe and everything was good to go. But it wasn't like that. And I can't remember the, the guys, Frank something, he ran Mount Hood or no, it was maybe High Cascades Snowboard Camp when it was way down in Rotodundron out of like a little gas station. They, they ran everything. It was like this tiny little spot. And we showed up, We I think we dug that afternoon or helped rake or do something. 
we ended up taking that guy a case of Weinerd's beer and some weed that night, and we had the pass. After that, we were good to go. They're like, yeah, you guys can hike. So we just we sat and we we hiked as much as we wanted. Um, we were responsible for getting up the up the chairs. But when you looked around and the placement of of the the camps, everything was much smaller. Um, they didn't build half the stuff they built today. There was, but it was insane. I mean, it was just like a heyday. Like, see thirty guys lined up for like a like a highway hit and a half pipe, and everyone was just sending it. And there'd be one photographer sitting there, and everyone was just trying to make it. You know, it's no different than any other other day at Hood, I guess. But <laughs> Except the, the amounts of people multiplied by ten or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. All the hand dug half pipe photos and videos are so iconic. I love watching those like little ten foot pipes. People just boosting yeah. Terrier doing those big twists and were stuff. The best, man. Yeah, it was it was crazy to watch guys boosting out of stuff that they shouldn't have been boosting out of. Like that it was. Just, yeah. you still you look back and like wow, how did they get that so, much air going? Yep. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, yeah it's pretty those cool. Were good times. Yeah, for sure. So leading <laughs> up with your career, you're riding for uh, Lib now, and you're riding for Quicksilver. Quicksilver, yep. Um, Let's talk about the day. Oh, that was a sip. <laughs> Caught Good me at sip. the right time. <laughs> Got you at the right time. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it was December 29th, and I just returned from a trip to, to Europe. We had linked up with the Quicksilver Europe team, done some photo stuff over there. So I had this great last trip. Came back to Salt Lake. Um, Todd Schlosser and Javis Len were staying with me at a house that my girlfriend at the time, Kelly, was babysitting this house or watching it babysitting whatever um so we had a couple days riding around around utah um stan evans called and he's like hey we need to get some some photos for some ads for for quicksilver let's go up to the pipe at at park city nighttime i was like yeah let's go it'll be fun um tonino copan and his girlfriend at the time liz who's now his wife um they were they were there as well so the four of us rode up um stan laced up the the tickets it was my first time riding park city you know, they were new to letting snowboards on the hill. And we went up and rode the pipe at night. And we were just, you know, straight airs, messing around. And it was kind of the end of the evening, about 8.30. And I was like, hey, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna head down after this one, I told Tonino. I dropped in from the left side, so my heel side, and crossed over the front side. First hit, and I took a little too much speed, and the pipe wasn't perfect. So it kind of caught the tail end of my, of my snowboard on the toe side edge. It popped me out away from the wall. And it sort of hunched me overhead first. And so I hit the bottom of the transition with my feet, and then I was bent at the hips, so my head, and they hit kind of simultaneous. And I saw it coming, so I, I put my arms up and to brace the impact. And when I hit the ground, I, I felt and heard the pop, and I was just laying there, and I couldn't move or feel anything. And it felt like I was like, it felt like my hips, like if I was trying to like feel myself in space, it felt like my hips were rotated up and my face was down like I was completely twisted the wrong is way. how it felt it was yeah. it was really I just couldn't feel anything it was, it was I don't know it was kind of weird and I'm laying there and I could see the the heel side side of the pipe and there was a kid walking up the uh, up the deck and I was and it was just eerie with the lights and everything and I couldn't move or see and I kind of questioned for like a half second I'm like am I dead because I was like I'm like get to Nino my, my, I'd lost my diaphragm I said get to Nino because I knew he had all this experience on hill at Mount Hood and this kid was just looking at me and he kept walking and he wasn't hearing me. And I was like, am I fucking dead? Like what's going on? And he finally realized something was up and Tonino ripped down and a couple of people and, um, Tonino, everyone was like, get him out, you know? And Tonino was like, don't move him. Don't move yeah. him. Like keep him right there. And so I laid there, um, you know, patrol came down, they got me prepped. They called the helicopter. They took me down to the bottom of the pipe and then out to kind of a flat area for the, for the chopper to land. And, um, yeah, they chucked me in the chopper. I remember the guy in the in the helicopter saying something about giving him some steroids. They shot something in my neck, and then it was kind of hit and miss for the next seven days in the hospital of, of memory. So 
Really, you're kind of in and out. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, they kept me pretty tuned up on something. That oh, I was just yeah, like, you were just on crazy yeah. drugs. Yeah, because of the time of the year, I don't think a lot of uh, neurosurgeons were available. Yeah. It's New Year's, you know, people like to party. I don't know if that was the true situation. They told it was told me it was because my spine was swollen, and they wanted to let it uh, heal up a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I was like, damn, there's some champagne around. to be drank. So <laughs> Fuck. This is 2000? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this was 2000. Almost yep. 2001. Ten- yeah, Tonino yep. had a couple uh, crazy little points there. He was saying that he, he watched you get pitched into the flat, and he was like, he actually, his initial reaction is like, oh, he's going to be pissed about that bail. Like, but didn't think you were, didn't think it was as serious as it was. Right. right. And, yeah. and then the, the other point he brought up that was insane was that like, he said that maybe half hour after you got um, airlifted out, there was a crazy inversion that came in that the helicopter wouldn't have been able to land. Yeah. And it was like almost some kind of higher spiritual shit that happened. Yeah. You know, like, so everybody knows about that inversion that comes every year. Mm-hmm. I literally caught the last flight into the U of U. Like they Whoa. landed, picked me up, flew in, and that shit moved right in. And that was it. And they didn't fly for like two or three weeks after that. There was no flights. So they would, you would have not been able to get there at all. Mm-hmm. Or they would have to drill you, I Yeah, guess. it would have taken a long time. And who knows what the result would have been. Wow. Might have been a different situation had that uh, been how it unfolded. But yeah, I, I caught the actual last flight in. It That's was pretty insane. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So super lucky, super blessed, however you want to put it. Um, yeah. yeah. It is, it's trippy to look back on and think about that. It's like, yeah, that's crazy. He remembered that too. That's rad. That's definitely cool. Yeah. Well, did, when this happened right then and there, did you have any thoughts of like, oh shit, I can't move. What's going to happen? Or were you just like, get me to the hospital? Nah, right away. I was like, I'm never snowboarding again. I knew right out of the gate. Right like, out of the yeah, gate. I just, I oh, had this feeling. Fuck. I had this feeling and I just knew. And I was, uh, I was pretty set at peace with it right then. I was like, if that's what it's got to be, that's what it's got to be. Maybe something will be different in yeah. a couple weeks. I don't know. But right now, I feel like I'm done. Like, wow, I was like, that you was felt it. that. Yep. That's yep, insane. Right away. Jeremy, when he was, he was like choking up telling me this stuff, but he was saying that when people would come to visit you in the hospital, like they'd be freaking out. Like Jeremy himself would be freaking out and you were calming him down. And he said like, <laughs> he's like, dude, his shit, like it, he's like, fuck everything. It doesn't matter what you do on your snowboard. Like it's like people and you care about people. And he was like, kind of Jeremy, like, I wish he was here part of this conversation, but he was like ball, like basically tearing up talking about how you, well, you carried yourself during those, those times in the hospital and stuff. Yeah, it was, it was strange, man. I don't know what happened. Like when I blew my knee out, I'd mentioned that earlier uh, for six months, I was a miserable prick. Um, (laughs) Kelly almost was just like, she was over it, man. And when this happened, she actually thought I was going to be much worse, but I don't know what happened, man. But um, when I woke up like on day seven in the hospital, I just looked around. There was like flowers and stuff, like Transworld had sent stuff, Snowboarder had sent stuff, um, the Cummins had sent me stuff. I mean, there was all this stuff like wishing me well, and it was a positive vibe right out of the gate. Every every single day was positive. I mean, I had struggles and there were tough times for sure, but we laughed so much, dude. I've got photos where it's just like it was just like any other day. It was even even more so. Like I was maybe like a little uptight before that, not uptight anymore. I'm laughing about stupid stuff, and it was just it was kind of exciting in a way, which is kind of twisted, but. Um, it was, it was like I was getting like this whole new, I was starting over yeah. and, and everything was new and fresh. And I was just like learning how to try and use fingers that don't work and a thumb that doesn't work. And there was all these new challenges that I just, that was all I had time for. And so I just, I focused on what I could, uh, all the faces coming through obviously made me smile. And so that's probably what he's referring to. I was just always like, hell yeah, I was stoked. And they were probably seeing me going, oh shit, he's fucked. But I was just, like, stoked to see friends and, yeah. and support. And so I, I was having one experience where they were probably having another experience. Of yeah, like, I remember oh. coming in, and we were just freaked out. And you were just, 
you were pretty light lighthearted and it was crazy. It was just like, oh shit. Yeah, maybe he doesn't we were know all what's nervous. Wrong with him. Yeah, we were all nervous <laughs> to go in there and all that, but it, then you you kind of chilled it out for everybody. Ah, oh, that's cool, man. That's cool to hear. Yeah. yeah. And this art behind you, this is some stuff Doman. Yeah. Yeah, so there was a there was one day uh, Doman and a couple other people. I didn't know some of the kids at the time even, but the Milo crew, they all they all put this together and drew it up and this hung in my Is this hang in it, there, hang in there yeah, yeah, hang in there. Yeah. And some crazy trippy uh Artwork, which is really rad, and so I, this is something I got to look at every single day, and and obviously the colors were cool, and <laughs> you know, but I just thought support, you know, the think that people gave a shit, and and they took the time to draw this up, but it, yeah, it lifted me uh, a lot. I'd look at this and just laugh, and be like, that's crazy shit, man. These kids are cool. That's pretty so, rad. You even said like Nico Droz came in from France. Yeah, like people were seeing you from all over the place. Like, yeah, the snowboard yeah. community is pretty dope, huh? Yeah, every single day I had people coming through. It got to the point where the hospital was like. Asking me to kind of like, like can you like tone this down? And I was like, <laughs> I'm not in control here, man. This yeah. is y'all's problem. Like, I'll just, <laughs> if people are coming, man, I'm seeing them like whatever. Um, and it was like nonstop, you know, like when I wasn't in therapy, which was like kind of like a eight to five type of thing or eight to three from three to nine or whatever was just lined up with people, man. It was always it was like people coming in on top of each other. I'd have like six people in the room. It was fucking awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Man. It was super cool. So. Yeah, it seems cool. Like in in that situation, kind of like a testament to how awesome of a human you you are. Obviously, is how many people are coming to visit you when you're down, right? Like that <laughs> yeah. that's incredible. That just that's a true testament. And and one thing Jeremy said, he was like, you know, the one thing you said when people would freak out, according to him, was you know, I, I'm gonna get through this. I'm gonna get through this. Yeah, yeah. And I di- I didn't know what that meant at the time, but. It's kind of like there's really no other option with it, everything. Yeah. You know, you could break your leg tomorrow, and you know you're going to get through it. You just you wake up, you adapt, and you like move forward and do what you got to do to survive. And this was no different. Yeah, one little, day at a time. Huh? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was a little more extreme than I would want yeah. to experience or want anyone to experience. <laughs> but shit, it happened. Like, focus on what you can and, and control what you can, and let the chips fall as they may. Yeah. You know? For a little bit, they told you there's a chance you'd be able to rehab back, right? Well, yeah. So so that, that could be taken a lot of ways. And what, what they mean, they say that my, my injury was incomplete, meaning... Yeah, I read that, incomplete. Yeah, meaning my cord wasn't completely severed, which means there's a chance for recovery. What that means is going to vary from person to person, situation to situation, right? So yeah. I still have change in feeling and function 20 years later. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And I, I gained a ton in the first five years. They, they typically, they would to cover their tracks, they always say, hey... Uh, whatever you get back in the first year is probably what you'll have for life. And so in year one, I felt pretty good. I had, I had some feeling back. I could move a couple fingers barely. I had adapted and I could do my daily stuff and uh, putting clothes on, getting dressed, eating, stuff like that. But it just it kept going. And I, I pushed, um, I did a lot of therapy in a couple different places and stuff kept coming back. And I just, I was like, I'll take what I can get, whether yeah. it's wor- weird. There's been stuff that a muscle started working that actually made it harder for me to get into a car but I was like, I don't give a shit. It's working. It can kick and it can push and throw me off, but I'll take it. I'll take so. it. Yeah, every little bit is something, huh? Yep. That's crazy. Yep. And how was the hospital? Were they pretty pretty good? Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was up at the U of U, and they didn't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> they just dealt with you. <laughs> yeah. They probably had no idea what was coming. I didn't either, but they didn't have a choice, man. The, those people that came to visit weren't going to be turned away, and they weren't. Yeah. And... Yeah, we got away with some shit. Like, I'll tell you some stuff off camera. It has to do with insurance. That I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but yeah, oh, we word. got to do some cool shit. Hey, that's um, awesome. So yeah. And did your perspective kind of like shift 
about life like immediately where you're just like, okay, this is it. This is how I got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I would say for sure. Um, you know, right away, my, my entire identity was cut away and my abilities too. like someone might lose their job or lose their sponsors. And then your identity is kind of fucked. Right. Yeah. On top of that, I lost my physical abilities too. So it was like triple fold or double fold. That's two things. Uh, and I just kind of like, yeah, I had to look at life a different way. You know, like, um, I went from all this physical activity and being capable of so much, you know, I'm six, two, I'm 195 pounds and I could do, I could move. I was like fast and whatever. And all of a sudden I'm just like sitting there and I can't even like sit up straight, you know? And, and so it was like this, it, it happened quick and, and it wasn't like a drastic thing, but I definitely looked at life different and just had to focus on, on getting better first. You know, I had three months in that hospital. I got to do what I can while I'm here and then I'll figure shit out when I get out in the real world. Totally. And that appreciation for like, it's crazy, you know, people that are able to walk around, go running, go do all these things, go snowboarding, you take it for granted, but you're worried about the, the like fucking Instagram comment or some bullshit. Right. Yeah. But it's like, then, then you see somebody in a situation like yourself and you're like, dude, you got to get your shit together. <laughs> Jesus, we got it pretty good. You know? And like, yeah. Perspectives, everything. And, yeah. and you know, I'm to a point in my life and I have been for a while where I'm back to complaining and worrying about stupid <laughs> shit you that are. doesn't matter. Sure. Yeah. Like, you know, like, so yeah. it's like, yeah, cool. life I've come full on. circle, you know, like all this, uh, all this stuff that involves my, my wheelchair and all that. It's all second nature now. It's, yeah. you know, I've, I've adapted well enough that I don't even think about it. And I'm back to that compla- awesome. complaining just... about a bill that came and like, what the fuck is this? Gotta, yeah. Who do I owe $300 now? You know, the, ama- the human so. body is amazing. How are the mind? Yeah. I guess. And the mind both really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for you sure. Can just switch back to that. It just, be, it's normal. And then yep. it be, it's just whatever, whatever circumstance you're in over time becomes normal, huh? Just yeah, no matter what it is. Yeah. It's just adjust. Yep. Yeah. Totally. When you finally got back to your house, was there a period of time that was pretty fucked? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we did a, so when I left the hospital, um, I had an older brother that lived out in Draper. He said, Hey, I'll, I'll retrofit my basement. You can, you can stay there. So we posted up there for a couple months. And the reality of not having all that help around that I had at the hospital. Yeah, you to had everyone me. doing everything, right? Yeah, and they were teaching me stuff, right? But now all of a sudden I'm on my own. i got to figure it out. So we did a couple months there, and then we rented a, me and Kelly, when I say we, uh, we rented an apartment in Sugar House, um, right down the street from Ali Goulet. Oh, on, sick. On Warnock right there. Yeah, like you where still the, have the same house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, so we rented this apartment, and that was that was for sure real life. And Kelly told me this later. She's like, that, that first year was like a test. I didn't know how you were going to be. I didn't know what life was going to be like with you. And so I was like, you know, things might've been different, but you were okay and you were good. And so there was this, this definitely a, a one full year where it was just crazy, but, um, just new, everything was new. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely just us. You know, we had a lot of help and we had a lot of visitors still and friends, but it was, it was kind of like being pushed out into the world for the first time again. I'm like, figure it out. Yeah. Figure it out. And so, let's talk about Kelly. Kelly dude. Kelly's a ride or ride die. Ride or huh? die yeah, right dude. there. Yeah. She was yeah. your childhood or your, not childhood, but. <laughs> I'm, no, I mean, we were kids, <laughs> man. School, yeah, kids. Like, High school yeah, sweetheart. together young. Yeah, so when we met, um, I was 17, she was 15. We met. We were kids. Yeah, yeah, we were. We went to different schools and whatnot, but um, we had the same birthday month. So she turned 16 and I turned 18, and that's when it got sketchy because shit was suddenly illegal, but I didn't realize. <laughs> No, we were good though. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, man, she, since 94, um, we were friends for a year. We started dating and we dated for like eight years. Um, and yeah, she stuck with me before she stuck with me after and she's still there. And there's and something to be said, you know, sticking through the worst times. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, for sure. So dope. Yeah. She was there yeah. for she, you. And shouts to Kelly. Birdman. 
Yep, you yep. Birdman. I hit her a Birdman. Yeah. I've been doing too many air horns. I had to hit the Birdman. <laughs> yeah, but she's still dope, man. Anybody who knows Kelly, um, uh, yeah, she's the best. She's she lives life full speed. She's open and she's just fucking funny, dude. She's yeah. happy all the time, and she's consistent in her character. And uh, yeah, I couldn't have, have had a better person on my side at that point. Yeah, because still going through that solo would have been tough. I imagine I would probably it would probably be a completely different situation. Yeah, and had she bounced, different situation, man. Yeah. I could have gone into a state that. I not uh, I maybe not may come back from, yeah right? never recovered from and I've met some people who it changed them for the worst and they did not come out the other side in a good state so mm-hmm. yeah yeah cool cool well transitioning uh we're gonna do a little fan favorite oh, oh yeah I almost forgot we almost forgot yeah, name that video part oh okay <laughs> okay here we go pressure, pressure is on All right, how you feeling, Tim? You feeling? I'm feeling good. Feeling good. Yeah, ready. All right, I'm gonna hit you with one. It's it's short, so so focus up. Yeah, we're good. You know it? Yeah, it's the intro to Subject Hawkins. Wow! Yeah, yeah, I think at that point it's panning across his medals and his money, and then he drops into the pipe. Dude. That is exact. That is the exact frame. That's Literally insane, the exact dude. frame. Well, let me tell you what, Tim. We got you a prize pack. We got air fresheners. <laughs> we got some stickers. All right. For that sick whip you got parked in yeah, front. Yeah, you do have a pretty for sick whip. For the air fresheners. I don't up. know. It might bring the value down. And we got a bomb hole t-shirt over here. Boom. All right. Get that merch. Score. Son. Thanks, yeah, we fellas. We got some merch. We got, we got some right. merch. All right. And now this is for the fans. Uh, you know, if you know this one, comment on the Instagram. Yeah, you don't answer this one. You don't answer this one. But it's a little different genre. Is that from an F? I can't. I don't want to. I'm just gonna say you. You know that one, bud. Yeah, I know that one. And that's one of my favorites of I all I time. I would have got the first one, and I've seen that movie a million times. You wouldn't have. I'm just not that good at this game. Yeah, bud. Good thing. Honest. If good thing Buds isn't playing, yeah. I wouldn't bet on <laughs> if him. If I was man. playing. <laughs> I'll be honest. Got, that, that's the only thing I was nervous about coming on. Was like, dude, when they do that part on me, I'm gonna be dead. <laughs> but nailed it. All right, I'm gonna take us away here. Man, shouts to name that video part. Love yeah, the, the, the job, game dude. show music. Thanks. <laughs> um, so yeah, transitioning into into life with. Um, Without being able to walk, man, just seems insane. Yeah, life with the chair. Life with the chair. It, it seems like you got some new activities. You got into uh, what's it called? Wheelchair rugby. Wheel- um, when I joined up, it was called murder ball. Yeah, murder ball. Yep. Uh, the people that were behind the sport at the time were trying to get funding and support across the planet for it, and so they realized murder ball wasn't necessarily the best. Name, name they to were, attract people. Yeah, exactly. So it kind of took. <laughs> Sounds on. pretty intimidating. It, yeah, and it is. I mean, you know, you you've played. Yeah, you know, Tim got us out there. I don't remember who was all with us. Like Bobby, Meeks, Bobby Meeks. I think um, Travis, maybe Wood. Travis Wood. I can't remember yeah. if Blue was there or not. I think I don't he know. Was. I came Bobby, several yeah. times. I remember, but yeah, dude, it is so much fun. Yeah. How was so. Bu- How was Buds out there on the court? Was he pretty good? He was or? solid. That yeah. was solid. We yeah. used to all play basketball together. Oh, yeah, you that balled was out. In fact, yeah, yeah we, we had the the snowboarder league. Yeah, we had a league uh, that, that we would meet up on the regular. It was that like Eisenhower we, Elementary? Yeah, school like or Eisenhower. Something? And yeah, in the summer months, man, when everyone was kind of just downtime, these, we'd play like every week. Yeah, and it like got hardcore. heated, man. It was yeah, fun. It got heated. Uh, outdoor gravel, like. Uh, 
No one was really great. There was a couple yeah. that uh, stood out. You know, some were better than others. Yeah. It was really sick to get back on the court with Tim, and that's kind yeah. of for us what it was about. Yeah. And man, it's, I got to say, it's like more fun than basketball. It's insane. Really? Yeah. He would kind of he taught us. I mean, he can tell us about it, but. You're in a wheelchair. And you do pick and rolls and all that? Oh, yeah. Dude, you yeah. go nuts. Every, there's a lot of things that transition from basketball. You play on a basketball court. And so those that pick and roll move is like a – that that thing is – it's Crucial. a real thing. Yeah. You can't get around as quickly on a wheelchair. Like, it's even mm. probably more it's, of a thing. Dude, some of these dudes are fast. So it's, really? it's definitely not like on your feet, right? Yep. But these wheelchairs are designed a little different than this one, and they're very quick and very agile. And so depending on the person that's sitting in it, there's some dudes that move where you're just like, whoa, yeah. what just happened? And you're – you're done. So and they hit you, and yeah, it's full contact. Really, um, they the got it, like bumpers, metal yeah. bumpers. Or yeah, something? the way the chairs are designed, you get knocked um, out of your chair if you're not careful. Yeah, so we we strap in in multiple places to keep. Uh, it's kind of like a binding. If you're loose, you don't have that same responsiveness. Yeah, excuse me. And um and the chairs are the same way. So I use snowboard straps on my feet, snowboard straps across my waist, and then I strap my knees to these these sidebars. And yeah, man, you can just you you turn your upper body and the chair turns. It's that agile. So sick. yeah, it's pretty sick. But cool, cool. Pretty the fast, fast guys do when they hit you full speed, like you feel it through your core. They're like, moving. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Yeah, it jarsy for sure. It's, it's like a Zidane Chara full speed hockey check, yeah. but in a wheelchair. In huh? a chair, and it's all loud because, <laughs> and you, you they give you gloves or else because it gives you some better yep. grip. And uh, dude, it's fun. As yeah, shit. yeah, it's a good yeah. time. Sick. I'll I'll link some videos. Yeah, because there's like a murder ball. Um, documentary, yeah. I think, yeah. from when they still call it murder totally. ball. Yeah. And for all the listeners, viewers, we always have like a list of uh, links in the in the video and in the podcast. If you're listening for stuff we're talking about, but um, moving forward, uh, what was the kind of transition into life after boarding as far as a career? I was lost. Really? Yeah. Oh, did you I have had... a, Did you have a dark dark period at all? Or uh, no, nah, not really. Um, I had a friend who would well, he'd store a bunch of weed at my house. And so I had access to really high grade cannabis, and um, <laughs> and so I was in a really good place mentally. I would I would work out very very hard, um, five days a week, and then later it turned out to eight times a week. And I would come home, eat good food to recover. Um, I'd smoke some weed and then and just relax. And but I didn't know where I was going. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do for you know. Everything was a physical, physical aspect, and so suddenly I had to use my mind. But I really didn't know what I wanted to do or what I could do. And so I took five years from 2000 to 2005 where I didn't work. I had saved up money, um, Quicksilver. Uh, that I still had my, my contract at my house unsigned, broke my neck, and Chris Owen called me up. He said, hey, you need to send that contract in. And they honored a contract for a full year for me, knowing Damn. that I would never ride. And so I, I had socked away a little bit of money. Um, I was able to kind of float that shit for a bit. And I just worked out. And then uh, one day I was at a party and a, a guy at the party said, hey, man, you used to snowboard, right? And I said, yeah. He said, I work at backcountry.com and we're, we need guys on the phones to talk about snowboards. We don't know any. And I was like, yeah, I'll come do that shit. And I'd been working at Discover Card for three months on their phones because I didn't know anything else. And I was like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> and, and I was like, I'll talk about snowboards on the phone over like, you know, charging Collecting people money, money for yeah. shit <laughs> yeah and so i bounced like like i turned in some like resignation paper that i was like why why do i have to do this uh i turned that shit in and then the next week i started at backcountry.com and um i was there for like 10 years learned a lot of e-commerce stuff and a bunch of other shit and that was it man like yeah but i didn't know what i was gonna do i was that, that was what freaked me out the most I was like what am i gonna do for work yeah 
So and you became the hard goods buyer eventually too, right? That's yeah, pretty yeah, sick. yeah. So I did a, a so year doing customer service, and then I did some merchandising, and then um, when WhiskeyMilitia.com came around, uh, I came on as a buyer, and I worked with a couple of guys, uh, Chris Brown, Mark Anderson, this guy Sam Bruni, and they were all like super smart, super super fun, and they just yeah, man, we had a great time just buying a ton of shit from friends companies yeah, people yeah. i knew um so <laughs> yeah. i got to go to trade shows and see everybody again and that was like a really really good transition back into the world just uh you know of, of my friends and snowboarding but in a in a different way so would you say you were kind of open like welcomed with open arms when you came back to the snowboard world hell yeah every trade show i went to man it was just like hugs and high fives and like so sick dude there was this funny scene like i knew todd richards a little bit and we rolled up to the omatic booth and the dude jumped over a couch and like practically stumbled and came up and gave me a hug. And I had never received a warm welcome like that from that dude before. And I was just like, hell yeah. That's and the guys sick. that I was working with from backcountry were like, oh shit, man, you know Todd? And I was like, yeah, kind of, man. Like, he, I'd go to contests and he'd kick the shit out of everybody. And, and yeah, that's how I know him. So. Man, shouts to anyway. Richard. Yeah, shouts to Richard. <laughs> Oh, man, that's so cool. Around that time, was backcountry.com still out of a garage? Early days, right? Was it, <laughs> it was a bit past that. It was past yeah, that. Yeah, okay. I, I came on a couple years after that, but that was like definitely the, the, the coolest time, I'm sure, for those guys because they were growing and stuff. But um, it, was, it was in Park City at the same spot that it's at currently, Kimball Junction. It was big, but it was not what it is now. And, and it still had like a grassrootsness to it. Um, but yeah, yeah, it... it definitely transitioned uh, to a point where I was like, ah, I'm happy to leave. So. <laughs> what about, uh, what about backcountry Bob, dude? Let's talk about Bodie Merrill's dad, Bob Merrill. Yeah, dude. So <laughs> I worked with Bob at backcountry and he was just, he, to me, it was a trip. He was like this, like, I always thought he was this guy that was the wizard of the Wasatch, who was a different guy that used to hitchhike in big cottonwood. And when I saw Bob Merrill for the first time, I'm like, Oh, that's the, the, the wizard of the Wasatch guy. But it, I had my shit misconstrued, but yeah, he, um, he worked a backcountry. He was a little bit older. He was always super, if you know him, you know, he's super loud and he's always just like in your face and just honest and open. And yeah, it was cool, man. He always had a bottle of whiskey stashed in his desk. Um, he'd go over and he'd maybe be asleep on his keyboard. Like he'd fall on, like taking a little nap and there'd be like a hundred Z's on the screen. Like, Cause he was, had a spreadsheet open or something, but um, knowledgeable, cool. He always talked about Bodie, like, and, and where he was at with his sponsors and pursuing stuff. And, you know, I didn't get it at the time what Bodie was putting down. And then when I started seeing his video parts, I was like, holy fuck. And I actually still feel like that dude is one of the best snowboarders who's ever lived. The stuff that he does in the street, the yeah. stuff that he can do in Big Mountain. I'm like, dude, this guy, it's out of control. I think he's overlooked in a way. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he does get the... the for sure by some. Yeah, for sure by some. But yeah. I look at the stuff he's done at, at every kind of discipline of snowboarding and I'm like... He's one of the best that's ever lived, yeah. man. He's yeah. insane. Two-time writer of the year, though. He has, he's got a little bit of shine. He does that, yeah. Yeah, no, but, he's but definitely But he's, he's overlooked. Kudos. Some people don't realize that he's like fucking Travis Rice, if Travis Rice could also front board a triple king. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know I mean? Exactly. Like, that's the way I've always compared it to. I'm always like, he does what Travis Rice does in the backcountry, but then he goes to the street and does what Jeremy and JP do, but then he's doing it at like a size of Travis Rice. Yeah. And, and, and it's just, crazy. It's bonkers. But what he always says his dad's way cooler than him too, which is funny. <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely like he's like that cool '70s yeah. Playboy guy or whatever. Like there's something, but like with a hippie tone. I don't know. Yeah, man. a little like, slight hippie tone. You catch yeah. backcountry Bob out on that boat. He's got a little. I mean, I'm not trying to throw him under the buzz, but I don't know what he's got in that cup. But he's feeling good. He's you know feeling I mean? good. And uh, wake surfing. Yeah, cup of the good times. Yeah. 
If, if Backcountry Bob's your dad, you're gonna you're yeah. gonna be all right. Yeah. What's the Wasatch Wizard, dude? What's his? Story? There was this dude that like you'd be driving up to Brighton, and right before Donut Falls, where I think it's Butler Butler Fork. Yeah. Yeah. That the the stop right there that people hike. Yep. Um, there's that stretch between Butler Fork and Donut Falls, and I'd always see this dude standing there hitching, and he had scruffy long blondish hair and a big ass beard, and he'd be all bundled up, and it'd be seven thirty in the morning, eight in the morning, and I don't know where the guy came from. And once in a while, we'd pick him up. Sometimes we'd just pass him by. It depended on our vibe. But I always thought that was him. Wizard of the yeah. Wasatch guy. And I don't know who that guy is still to this day. I wonder what the wizard does. We got any? If we got any info on the Wizard of the Wasatch. Yeah, please send us info on the <laughs> wizard. Yeah, I, yeah. Does he do real magic? He may. He, he may. may. We you don't know. know. Yeah. Damn. So. so you're obviously super, you're super into driving, right? And you got a BMW. Things fucking dope. So <laughs> Thank you. explain how the hell you drive a car. When your legs don't work. So there are custom hand controls that you purchase at a fair price, and you have them installed, and it allows you to run your gas and your brake. So they, they are on the left side of the, the, the steering column, driver's left. Um, the brake always has to be manually attached because, obviously, you have to press that pedal, but the gas is a computer that speaks to the car's computer to tell you to accelerate. And so it's, this, it's called a feather light. Super easy to pull. It's just on this little hinge. That's go. And then if you push forward on it, it presses the the brake. And it's, yeah, man, it's a little different, but it's really easy to get used to. And it it makes life for someone like me super easy. Yeah. And you, and it's funny because we drive around and I'm like, fuck, I got to drive to Colorado. That sucks ass. And you're like, I'm going driving, right? Yeah. It's a different deal. Yeah, right? totally. Like, I'll make up opportunities to just Yeah, now that go you got drive. this fast car, too. Yeah, totally. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to go fast. <laughs> totally. And so, when this this uh, this COVID shit hit, I hate to talk about it, but when this COVID shit hit and they closed the, the mountains, uh, the resorts, I knew that the roads would be empty, similar to what they were like in, like, 92 and 93. Nice. When me and Mike Clunker and some other people used to race up and down the canyon. We would pass on blind corners like doing just sketchy shit because there wasn't the traffic that there is now. Yeah. I knew that was go time again. And so I'd wake up early on a Saturday or a Sunday and sometimes Kelly would come. Sometimes it'd just be me, but I would go rip that uphill leg of from here to Brighton and just corners and like doing it like the old school. And I can still remember every turn of that too. Yeah. And just thinking about Ali Goulet put down a time from his house one time, him and Kyle Schneiberg ripped it from his house on Warnock to Brighton in like a ridiculous amount of time. And I was like, we should do like a rally drive up this thing, but that's my mindset when I jump in the in the car and go to the canyon. That's I'm like, sick. Yeah, so there's little sections that I'll rip it, and then down I just take it easy and just let yeah. the the car slow itself down. But like the uphill version, man, I push it for sure. Fuck yeah, uh, <laughs> Cheddar Biscuits. How much does it cost to install that into your car? <laughs> Chetty, Chetty Biscuits <laughs> on the menu with the Cheddar Biscuits. Uh, the purchase price for a single unit was twelve hundred. The installation typically comes with that. There was only one dealer of this particular product in town at the time that had any experience installing it, and I had two vehicles. I still have two vehicles, so I called him up and I said, "Hey, how much would you do two of these for?" And I got like a few hundred bucks off in that little negotiation. But it's a it's typically about a twelve hundred dollar product. Is that the only option? No, oh, no. There's, there's other yeah. Other there's some more manual to. versions that yeah. you can get for a few hundred. The first ones I had installed, I spent a total of nine hundred. Yeah, and it's all out of pocket. There's no, there's no coverage from insurance, no insurance or anything. That's, that's fucking you bullshit. That's bullshit. Yeah, that's what I thought. I'm gonna hit that's the insurance company with a quick. You're fired. They gotta get their For shit real. together. Indeed. Yeah. Send, send the check. <laughs> <laughs> that's just messed up though, because you 
you need to be able to drive. I mean, yeah. How else are you going to get to your work? What are you going to do? Yeah, for sure. And, and that was another process actually that was like, you know, it's a bureaucratic process, but when you're in the hospital, they say, Hey, start filling out this paperwork. Cause in six months you're going to need to drive. And so I filled out all this paperwork to get a lift and they tell you, you need a van. And I was like, I'm not fucking driving a minivan, dude. So I found a, a <laughs> 1978 Ford van with a quadra something conversion at the factory as a four wheel drive. It was badass. It was lifted up. And by the time I got the approval for the, um, the lift to be paid for by the state, I was already driving a Subaru and we sold the, the Ford. Van. Oh, wow. But they tell yeah. you you're going to have to have a lift. They, they pretty much. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And they you're were. just like, nah, I got this. Yeah. I'm not driving a minivan, dude. I don't yeah. give a shit what anybody says. I'd rather not drive. <laughs> I got to piss like a fucking racehorse, to be honest with you. Like a racehorse? Do it. Papa's mustache in the third. Should I just go right now? Why do they say piss like a racehorse? Do racehorses piss more than a normal horse? I don't know, man. Like maybe, so something in, there's a rule in (laughs) wheelchair rugby where you can't, you you can't like hold your piss because your blood pressure spikes. And so it gives you more blood flow and you're a better athlete. And so really, yeah. And so referees are actually on the lookout for guys that are like pushing on their bladder because they have to piss because it spikes your shit. And I wonder if racehorses, if they don't let them piss or oh. they like pinch it off or something, it'll I make them just a hunch. Go faster. Wow. Possibly. I thought they tied their ball sack up or is that a, is that a horse? For, Those are bulls. That's, or bull, Dude, that's, that's a bull. Yeah, that's a bull. Okay. Bulls. Okay. That's how they get them hey, yeah. like, Okay. What the fuck is going on? Yeah. Okay. That's probably what it is, but, dude. I don't know. That makes but sense. It, it also just could be because they're fast as shit. Like, You're a knowledgeable you gotta, dude. I make shit up as, on the fly. Up. I do too, actually. Yeah, that yeah. was just from some freestyle garbage, but um, who it knows? Maybe there's something right, to it. Though. Dude, it's all in how you present it, man. You say it with like a little bit of enthusiasm and maybe like some authority, and people believe that shit. They believe it. I don't know that either, but maybe they do. I think it works. <laughs> and at some point, we were talking earlier, and we were talking about shitting our pants before we started recording. <laughs> what, uh, what you said, you had some some in, like some instances. Of- All right, yeah. So <laughs> here we go. Um, yeah. So when you when you break your neck the way I did, you lose a lot of functions, right? So that's that's my that's my safety net that catches me. It wasn't just just Tim. It was Tim with injury. So my, my older brother and his wife had taken me and Kelly out to Wendover to do some gambling. I'd never really gambled in public and we're at a craps table and I was on a heater, <laughs> uh, which I joked with Ethan was maybe I was up 200 bucks, which isn't shit, but, um, I felt good. And suddenly I had to go to the bathroom and I wasn't about to step away from the, from the table, step away, but I also didn't realize I could bounce and they would just cover your chips. Oh yeah. So they I do stuck that. it out, completely shit my pants. <laughs> And, uh, you know, when, when I kind of realized like, yo, I got to handle this shit. I think, I think somebody hit seven and they cleared everything. I'm like, I got to go. Uh, Kelly followed me into the men's room and we just handled the cleanup right there on site, dude, just uncomfortable situations. But there was a lot of those and we dealt with it, uh, and it came out the other side better, I guess, and definitely cleaner. But, um, (laughs) I mean, yeah, I man, imagine was, you just have to get used to those uncomfortable situations. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was part, it was part of the deal up front. Um, at this point, all that shit's under control, but it, it took me years to be able to like figure out my body again and what was going on, um, which was weird. Yeah, and definitely uncomfortable at times, and definitely embarrassing many times. It, so. it seems like when we were talking before the cameras were rolling, you were kind of talking about how like when you've gone through all this crazy shit, like lose control of your body you kind of just become really comfortable with yourself because you've been so vulnerable and you've been through it all that you don't give a yeah. shit anymore, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, another situation when I was in the hospital, 
um, because I was so open and comfortable with situations, the nurses came in one time and said, hey, we've got a group of students who need to practice cathing to pass off their, their grades or whatever. Like, would you be willing to be that test subject? And I was like, yeah, sure. And so they, they, they laced that up and groups of like six to nine people, male and female would all come in and they'd all <laughs> grab my honker and stick this tube down what? at the practice. Yeah, man. And, and I couldn't feel anything at that point. And so every single time they'd stick that tube in, man, I'd pop a boner and you'd see like <laughs> some of the girls would kind of get uncomfortable, but they all had to take a turn. And the guys were all like, but they knew they had to do it. And so like, I was and just, you're just sitting there like yeah, hey. rock hard. And so I was this test subject for, um, for cathing. Uh, yeah, man. But it was just like, eh, I didn't care. You know, like I'd lost so much shit. I, I really didn't care. I was like, ah, eh, whatever. Let's just do this. Yeah. I'll help them out. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. It was and you weird. were just fully comfortable. Sir, you yeah. have a rock hard direction. <laughs> like, yeah. Dude, it let's sounds do it. like you just took this like a champ, man. Like, I just don't know if I was faced with all this, how I would get through it, man. You're fucking amazing. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> I, I didn't know how I'd take it either. It was just kind of a, you don't know. presented itself. So and it. I, yeah. Yeah. And, and looking back, yeah, there's a lot of hilarious shit where I'm just like, I wonder if other people would have done that, but you never know until Dude, you're I in bet a lot of people so. would have been like, no way, man. I don't want all these chicks coming in touching <laughs> uh, my honker. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't care. I was just like, yeah, whatever. So That seems yeah. like the people that seem to be able to handle those really heavy situations usually have a good sense of humor and are able to, like, the only, the only way to get through it is be able to fucking laugh it off yep. to a degree, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that definitely, like, got through a lot of situations which is laughing because it was ridiculous. You look at it and you're like, this is a ridiculous scenario. You were telling me a story about the chick with the perfume. Yeah. I don't think Chris heard this one. Yeah, no, he didn't. He'd gone aside. <laughs> so at nighttime, about 8 p.m. or whatever, the, the regular nurses, they would bounce, and there was a night shift. And, and there was this lady that she was older, probably in her 50s or something, but my sense of smell went through the roof because I'd lost everything else. And she wore this perfume that just it tore me up every time I smelled it, man. It would just make me sick, and I couldn't sleep. And... So I kind of didn't like her because of that, right? And, and then she got in a battle with my mom about religion one time in my room, and I just had to ask them to leave. So I kind of had this thing. Anyway, she's in one night, and and they would stick their finger in your butt to, like, swirl to get the shit to come out, right? <laughs> like, it's a really weird situation. And so I'd, I'd be laying there. And okay. this lady, she comes on, and she's rifling around in there for a minute, and it was starting to feel like it was a little bit longer than the other nurses had done. <laughs> And because I didn't like her, and I was just like, I was like, did you lose your ring or something? And she just immediately, like, pulls her <laughs> finger out and was, like, taken back. And I think that was the last time that she actually did that. But, yeah, man, I asked her if she lost her ring in there. And she didn't like that. Uh, but, man, she had it coming. Dude, the fact <laughs> that you have the sense of humor to be yeah. able to do this, they must have just loved you well, in so, there. Dude. Yeah. Most, most of them did. I, I think that that lady probably did not she like me much, maybe. man. <laughs> yeah. Because some... I never saw her again. She probably was like, I don't want to see She's that She's like, enough of that. Yeah. I never did find my ring either. <laughs> <laughs> that shit's crazy. Yeah. yeah so I, I made the best of it. If I if I had the situation or the opportunity, I would, I would definitely crack a joke or whatever yeah keep it light for everybody yeah. you're a badass i saw also at one point signal made you a little setup yeah. so you go up the hood huh yep you could get on snow again what was that like that was it was actually scary but it was really cool after scary. the fact yeah <laughs> yeah and i don't know if dave know, knew this um so we had gone out to the signal factory to um to work out some deals for uh whiskey militia and you know i knew dave i was on LibTech about the same time he was for a minute and so, yeah, it was cool. We were out there. I'd seen every third Thursdays, and then uh, he asked me when we were there. He's like, hey, would you be interested in doing one of these? We've had this idea. And I was like, absolutely. And that was like August. 
And I'm thinking it would be, you know, February before anything happened. He hits me up like a week later. He's like, Hey, here's the dates. We're doing this at Mount hood. Can you make it? And I was like, all right. So yeah, we, we flew up. I, well, I flew up and the entire time, all I could think of was like, I'm going to die doing this thing, man. Like he'd kind of told me about it. I thought about what the conditions were going to be like at hood at the time. Hood's steep too. Yeah. And we, you know, we just did it down in one of those little canyons after all the snow had melted away. And so I knew that it was rocks on both sides. Yeah. We get there and it's rocks on both sides. And then they have like six cats parked right where we were doing the whole deal. And so it was all everywhere around me was just the potential to just crush your face. And you didn't really know. I had no idea how this thing was going (laughs) to respond. They brought it up and I was looking at it and it was, I was sitting on directly on snowboards, like my, my ass bones, you know, there's no meat there anymore. So I'm like, this is going to hurt. Like everything was weird about it, but, um, it was kind of weird. It was when he first clicked in the, the foot straps and I heard that sound again. I was like, oh, this is going to be all right. This is going to be cool. Just hearing the, the click. That's yeah. And so I felt comfortable at that point. And then they actually took turns in it before me to see how it would respond and how it would react. And I saw them carve it and I was like, all right, let's do this. And then, you know, we got the shots that we needed for it. But um, that's sick. They tried it out too. Yeah. Yeah. They all took a turn and they're the ones who broke it. And I don't know if you guys watched I the watched video, it, but yeah. if you've ever seen the video, there's definitely some, some breaks that happen and with the materials being used and the, and the quality of the, yeah. the welding, uh, it just shit snapped. And so Bert and Jason Brown had showed up. And he was he was feeling frisky, so he went down to the shop and he made a few fixes, and and we got back on the hill and, and got the got the clips that we needed. But it was a really cool experience, and it was fun to kind of connect with those guys. Yeah, uh, definitely fun to to reconnect with some old faces too. Andy and Bobby had shown up, and oh, sick. And Andy was, right, Bobby Meeks. Yeah, nice. Yeah, but leading up to it, man, I was scared shitless. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> yeah. And that how was that feeling when you're back on snow, kind of carving on that board? It looked pretty awesome, right? It was cool, yeah. Such a feeling. You know, I, just I've the done noises, some, I bet, too. The noises, um, the sound of the slush, like, all that shit just sounded cool to me. Yeah. And I was like, this is great. And the, just being at Hood also, I mean, that place is magic. For anyone who's been there, they know. Yeah. But um, it was different than the mono skiing that I'd done at the time because my feet were actually on the board, and I could feel oh, my knees yeah. moving as we went over stuff. You know, my, my, my legs were strapped in, and I had angle on the on the bindings yeah. like old school and i was like fuck yeah this is great that's, that's rad cool, man. yeah that's it was rad. cool it seems like uh like there could be some like ptsd there for some people like talking to tonino and liz it, it kind of seemed like when they saw you take that bail they they kind of like it changed their whole perspective on life he said tino in his words said that he kind of turned the volume down and, and it seemed like liz kind of went away from sponsored snowboarding after that and stuff like it was it definitely like like just just seeing like that degree. It makes you realize what's important, you know. Like, sure. Like oh sure. shit, maybe going huge is not worth it at times, right? Yeah, yeah, that could be. I didn't know that, but um, that is trippy. Yeah, if I look at the timeline, like yeah, it's you know kind of phased into like, like did, team management huh? and development and stuff with Nitro. And I mean, Liz's smart brain. She needed math anyway, so she was starting to. Yeah, that's crazy. Holy shit. Yeah, Sorry, she's guys. crazy smart. <laughs> I bet they thank you for it. No, they're at this stoked. Point. Are you kidding me? They're like, I don't think they'd change a thing about their life. Yeah, I don't, awesome. I, they shouldn't. Yeah. It's a beautiful life they live, so yeah. Yeah, yeah they have a little... Well, no, you you need that for perspective. Like, you, it, you, they should be thanking you to a degree. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like, I don't know. It's cool. Your story, too, man. Anyone else who, who has to go through this, listening to you talk about it, they need to... To watch this, I imagine, because it's got to be the hardest, hardest thing to ever go through. And you seem like you just did this, just faced it. Feels like I aced it for sure, man. <laughs> yeah. um, but like I've, I've said to multiple people in the past few years, like I'm really good at being in a wheelchair. I have no idea why. 
but I'm damn good at this. You're just damn good yeah. at it. You were yeah. too tall anyways. Man. Yeah, dude, for sure. Six two or whatever. <laughs> yeah, like, my time would have been up anyway, dude. I, that's it's that's tough another on thing. guys like me playing basketball. I'd rather play wheelchair rugby with you. Because, yeah, uh, kind of level playing field. <laughs> yeah, but no, you're that's still way faster than us, though. <laughs> that's been another benefit. Is like I didn't have to deal with the like, you know, getting cut and and dealing with that psychological warfare that I'm sure most writers have to deal with when yeah. they phase out. You see it in all sports too now. Like you see it all over the place when people's careers are over. You know, Mike Tyson, he doesn't know what to do. He's, he's talked about it openly. He's like, I, I feel like I'm like, you know, I used to be this warrior and now I'm not. And it was, I didn't have a choice, man. I got retired early on purpose from some ultimate force out there that's like, yeah. it's time to slow down, man. That's actually so, so true, huh? A lot of that, they just don't yeah. know what to do. Yeah, so I feel like, although it was it was awkward, it was definitely like a, a graceful exit from snowboarding where I didn't have to be like, ah, fuck, man, I'm washed up. Yeah, and how do you, at what age do you actually scale back? Yeah. And you keep going yeah. and totally. Yeah, you just don't even know how to handle it. Yeah. This that's, is, that's awesome. Yeah, kind of a random question, but there's got to be like, you know, just there's there's probably things that you don't realize going through life that we take for granted. Like, what are some random things about being in a wheelchair that people don't realize, you know, day to day? Like, there's so much shit, right? Yeah. But yeah. like, things people don't think of. Yeah. You know? uh, it, it's stupid stuff for me. It's it's pulling a zipper up, you know, like my fingers still don't work. My thumb doesn't work. It doesn't come into play. Um, it's all that tiny little stuff that I never even gave thought to, mm-hmm. you know. Tying a shoe, I still can't tie my shoes. Well, I can. I just don't bother because it takes like five minutes per shoe. And so I'm like, fuck that. You're not getting tied. Yeah, um, <laughs> moving on. Yeah, and uh, it takes me like fuck anywhere from three to five minutes to put my pants on, depending on the mood of my legs. They'll start kicking on their own, and they have yeah. these spasms. And it's little stuff like that. Um, you know, there's other things at times I've, I've noticed a lot of people who are physically able who don't do shit, even just walking around. I'm just like, dude, just get up and do something, you know? Like I want people to like do more. And so I have this weird, like, level of expectation of other people who aren't in wheelchairs to, like, do something physical, yeah. like, get out and get healthy, you know. I would be doing it in a second, but it is that perspective of, like, I can't do it. I wish I could. And if I could, I'd be, like, I'd try to be do still I'd do, do superhero shit. I'd just I'd be trying stupid shit. If I yeah. Could, I'd just the, fuck it. the lesson for, for <laughs> somebody like me listening is, like, we got to do it for the motherfuckers that can't, like you. Yeah. Do it. Like, it's yeah, like, it's like our duty. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, yep. fuck that. Get off your couch. Yeah. Go fucking do something. At some point, right after I got hurt, I was talking to you. I can't remember if it was Shane Charlebois or like Mikey LeBlanc or something. But I was, I started realizing like I'd never been to the top of Mount Olympus. Like all these peaks that were that around right here, here that were right here my whole life. I was like, I never did shit. Like I regretted stuff like that. And I remember somebody put up a photo from up there at one point, and I was just like, hell yeah! And I reached out to him. <laughs> I was like, dude, I've always wanted to see this view. Thank you. So you sick. Know? So yeah, it's it's stuff like that. Like I could have done so much more than I did, but I didn't. And you don't realize but it till it's it's, it's <coughs> until it's gone. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. that's even the same as you get too old. You know, like I should probably go hit up Mount Olympus. Yeah, maybe. I climbed Timpanoga once. That's that's kind of dope. It's more than I ever did. Yeah, so, there but you, go. you know, I might get older and I won't be able to climb Olympus. Sure. So yeah, sure. Yeah. I need yeah. to go do that. Inspiring to not leave leave anything on the table. It's like just go, you know, seize the yeah. day, go get it done, Live go do it for the can. people that can't. Yep. I love it, man. Yep. It's, I'm like fired up sitting here. I'm like a fucking let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. That's so. cool, man. That's good to hear. <laughs> you got anything you want to say to other people freshly in a wheelchair? Any advice? What they need to, I don't know, man. words of wisdom? Not really words of wisdom, but if you need to talk to somebody and find some shit out and you want some sneaky little details on how to do something different, I'm totally available. Life hacks. 
Life hacks. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've thought from time to time about doing like a little series of, of stuff Dude, that would be uh, dope. and put up online, like how to do a transfer to a car and little things like that that could help people along the way. Um, and I've had the opportunity to actually go to the hospital and, and talk to some people from time yep. to time. Yeah. That's sick. But uh, at Mr. Toilets on Instagram, DM me. Yeah, we'll link I'll, you I'll, up. Uh, I'll share some shit with you. Um, but yeah, you just, I mean, it's, it's going to vary from person to person. You know, mm-hmm. it's all situation. Because yeah, everyone has different amounts they can move and stuff and right? mind, like mindsets different. are different yeah. Um, yeah i apparently had a bulletproof mindset because i just flowed right into it not everybody's like that i don't know and you yeah. never know till you're in it but you didn't I'm have a period so. at, of time at all where you were just like locked yourself in your house and just were depressed you just that's boom. so that's fucking insane yeah dude. i woke up one day there was a psychologist sitting in my in my hospital room next to me i was looking at this guy he was looking at me he had a clipboard and i was like who are you and he's like my name's steve i'm the psychologist that they sent in to talk to you i was like why and I just, I didn't understand it. And so we'd have normal conversations each day. And he's just a week like, later, great. he stopped showing up. And I just, I hit he's the like, ground running, man. Timmy's fine. <laughs> he's like, Timmy yeah, Timmy's need me. fucking I mean, good. Well, I was that, definitely bummed, but I definitely like yeah. handled it. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know. I had the capacity to figure it out on my own. So sick. It's so sick. And and you know, at the end of the day, like everybody goes through shit in life. It's actually pretty much impossible. It all, it all varies on the level of shit. Your shit happened to be fucking absolutely brutal. But the thing, (laughs) the lesson I'm learning from hearing you talk is like when shit hits the fan, like have a sense of humor. You know what I mean? Like that seems like it helped you. A sense of humor helps a ton and a, Damn fine network of people helps yeah. a fuck ton, and I and guess that's we're lucky with the shred community, huh? Very much so. Yeah. And a ride or die woman. Yeah, yeah, that's crucial. Shell dog, you know. No, I also heard a funny story that when you're in cars driving around, Trent told me this. Who used to work with at Backcountry? <laughs> yeah, um, you still like look at jibs and look at lines. Is that something still that's just stuck day. with you for life? It was there before I snowboarded. Like on trips with my dad and stuff, we'd just cruise around in his camper and go camping in the Western States. <clears throat> I used to look out the side of the road, like we'd go across salt flats and I would always pretend that there was a remote control car going the same speed and it'd be cruising and it'd be hitting those, like where a road would go out, it'd hit the gap over the top. If it came to water on the salt flats, it could immediately turn into a boat. <laughs> and if there was nothing to ride on or boat on, it would turn into a jet <laughs> and I would jump shit and carve through shit. Fast forward, post snowboard injury, I will be cruising down a road. And if I'm the passenger, I'm looking at, people's houses i'm looking at the bushes in their yard uh drops and gaps rocks i'm like and i'm snowboarding next to it and i'm still jibbing in my mind and i'm still jumping over houses and shit so yeah <laughs> so sick. yeah that's so awesome. it's good to know there's always mind mind jibbing is still available yeah. at all times yeah and there's been times um I'll, I'll sit i'll be listening to good music or something and i can close my eyes and i can go through any other runs at brighton in my mind really I have that place still memorized to the T. I try and tell my nephews where their shit on the hill that I think they can handle on their feet. Uh, yeah, man, it's all still in there, and it'll be there forever. That's so. crazy because I sometimes try to bring people to old spots, and I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I might have been there last year. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. Man, yeah the, so The mind boarding's inspirational, though. That's always there. That's such a good yeah. escape. Yeah, it's know? cool. It, you know, from time to time, it's a fun, fun little exercise to... To fuck around Stay with. Stay so. stoked with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. That's fucking awesome. So uh, one thing I like to try to remember to ask the guests, but don't always do, is like, who would you say is your biggest inspiration going through this journey of life for you? Uh, man, that's kind of an easy one, but it's definitely been Kelly for the whole journey. You know, there's different parts of my life uh, in snowboarding, prior to snowboarding, et cetera, that it's other people. But overall, she's, she's the one for sure that... Um, has kept me up when I was down, 
I can look at her and how she lives her life, and I'm like, holy, yeah, that's how it's done, man. Yeah. And, I mean, I've got a handful of really close friends still that I can look to any of them at any point, and I'm just like, those people are hilarious, man, and they just, they live wide open, and it's it's tight. And Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's definitely Kelly. Yeah. Uh, beyond that, my dad. Awesome. Yeah, he was awesome. the shit, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That is so cool to hear, man. I remember with Kelly at your wedding when you guys did your dance in the wheelchair. I was like, dude, these guys are dope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got photos shit. of that. that yeah. Hilarious, I think man. I have a photo that's still at my house. Yeah. Rad, <laughs> man. Yeah. I was tucked up under a dress and came out with some shit in my teeth. Like, <laughs> a little like garter belt or whatever. Well, that's just when I knew that she was a ride or die and that having that in your life, man. That's yeah. The shit. Yeah. Thank you. I hope thank everyone you. can find that in, in a relationship and a marriage because that's, yeah. that's what's needed. Yeah. So sure. dope, Thank dude. you. <laughs> what about uh, back when you were snowboarding? Who was who was who are you looking up to, Shredwise? Locally, there was a ton of people, and it, it started with with Brandon Ruff was always kind of like the the cream of the crop, top of the tree at Christmas. However you want to describe it, we all looked at him and we were like, "Wow, he know? still has lines no one's done." It, yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. And <clears throat> other groups, you know, I mean, Andy Wright was still riding as a pro at that time. Um, there's a ton of people: Adam Compton, Zach Watkins. Tonino, of course. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. I could name like 15 people. Many of them never went beyond like a small local sponsorship. Some of them never got sponsored, but there's a whole host of guys. Mike Clunker, the guy did crazy shit on the mountain. Never got the respect that he should have. He had a small sponsorship with generics at one point, but the dude just, he ripped shit. He'd, do, he'd be doing cab sevens when someone else was doing a back three over something. Damn. He was just advanced. And this was on like a 163 Kemper with the shittiest dude. bindings you've ever seen. <laughs> I'll tell you, Clunker would look good on the bottom of a board. I would have yeah. bought it. Yeah. <laughs> He's I like, was thinking that too. God damn, somebody should have signed Clunker, oh, man. Oh, dude. Clunker yeah, someone, dope. Yeah, he should have gone further than he did because of his abilities, man, because he just, he was epic on a board. Like, mm-hmm. so good. So, um, at the, at the, at the pro level beyond Brighton, man, it was first, it was like, it was Damien. And then as soon as I saw Terry Hawkinson in, um, scream of consciousness and he was like 15 or something. And that's who I locked onto right yeah. away. I was like, that guy just is a powerhouse or something different about him. And I tried to, you know, I started riding lower and doing all these things mm-hmm. because of that guy. And, and he was always like it for me. That's dope. So, yeah, totally. This is kind of a heavy question, but um, <laughs> I'm just going to fucking dive in. But like, if you could go back in time, would you change like, that day doing that frontside air in the half pipe, like would you change anything about your riding? Like wish you did something different or like what's your outlook if you could go back in time now? Man, I have had that question probably a dozen times really? from cool people only, mm-hmm. just so you know. And <laughs> I've always said that, no, I wouldn't change anything because the, the people who I met and the things I saw from the people I already knew after that point, I wouldn't trade for anything because I, I saw these displays of love and kindness and generosity that, wouldn't wouldn't be worth swapping out for like landing a trick again you know and then there's a small piece of me that's like yeah i wouldn't go up that night i would i would not go up that night and i would just continue but my life would be completely different i wouldn't be the person who i am so ultimately no i wouldn't change it that's the first time i've ever said i would change it a little bit but i wouldn't that's so sick that's That's so cool to hear yeah it's like i think a lot of people think that they're they're like you know, their value lies in their accolades or this or that. And for me, when I look at you, your currency is people and relationships. Yeah. yeah. And that's like more important than any of the yep. other bullshit. And yep. you're just snowboarding roll- was the catalyst, but it, it introduced me to everyone I know now. And the injury introduced me to everyone else I know now. And, and that you can't trade that shit for anything, man. That's the only thing that's going to matter at the end. It's not going to be that I jumped over a highway or sent that cliff. It'll be, 
those relationships, you know, that yeah. were maybe. And you could only shred so long anyways yeah. at that level. So Yeah, totally. In the longer run, it's like people and yep. relationships yep. are really what, Absolutely. what's important. That's all that'll matter at the end. So Yeah, that's yeah. awesome to hear you say that, man. That's inspirational. And <laughs> you, you are a true G, man. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Straight up, dude. Thank you. Man, Thank I, you very much. I It's been a fucking honor. I mean, yeah. any and is there any other subjects or anything that you wanted to talk about that we haven't yet? No, man, this nice. has been rad. Nice. Yeah. It's been unreal, yeah. man. It's, it's been, been unreal, super man. cool, you know? Yeah, you are. Um, your positivity is just amazing, and I think people will latch on to that. Cool. Yeah, I hope so, yeah. If, yeah. if I something only I said helped anybody, that's it's this is well worth it, you know? If yeah. I ever have to go through anything on that level, I'd only hope I could have your positive outlook, <laughs> and I'll try to make sure that sticks with me. Or, cool, man. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. You're the yeah. shit. Thanks, yeah. brother. We Thank really you. appreciate having you coming on the podcast, <laughs> saying your thing. It means a lot. I feel inspired. I want to go do some shit right now for the people that can't. <laughs> and, um, man, thank you, everybody, for listening, watching. We'll uh, follow Tim on Instagram, and we'll see you next week. Over and out from the bomb hole. See ya. Later. Wow. I have to say that might be one of my favorite conversations I've ever had in my life, buds. What do you think? Listening to his story, I think he touched on something. Money, man, It, it th- you think that that's what's going to make you happy, but really, man, it's the people you surround yourself. It's your family. It's your friends. Be there for them. Surround yourself with the best people that you can. Straight up. It's like when you're laid up in that hospital bed, those people that are surrounding you, that's your currency. You know, that's your value. And the other thing I took away from it is like, you know, we're all able to walk around. Like, let's go. We got to do it for the people that can't, huh, buds? Dude, seriously, I feel like we need to go uh, hit Mount Olympus because Timmy never got to do it. I, mean, I might, as soon as I take these headphones off, I might just start sprinting around the neighborhood dude, just because I can. Let's do this. Let's go run around the hood. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, we just want to always reach out to you guys and say thank you so much for listening, commenting, and, you know, always, if you want to write a review, Hit us with those five stars on Apple Podcasts. That goes a long way, too. Uh, There's this one guy that hits us with one star every episode. Much respect. Shouts to one star God. Dude, one star God, I would like to meet you. I'm backing you, brother. Well, you could hit us with a subscribe. You know what we're going to hit you with? Another episode next week. Well, you know we're going to keep them coming. We're going to keep turning them out. All right, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Chris has disappeared. He is running through the neighborhood doing wind sprints. (laughs) See you next week.